Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about uh, everything racing. Joining me in the studio, I've got Richard Uden, Luis Torres. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Good, thank you. It's going pretty good so far. All right, so the month of May is upon us. The GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis is behind us. And... Um, who would have picked the podium of Renus VK, Romain Grosjean, and Alex Palou a year <laughs> ago? Uh, I mean, yeah. So we've, we've really uh, mixing things up here in the IndyCar series. I mean, other than Scott Dixon, who, uh, you know, won a race this year and is quietly leading the points. Um, it's been all young guys uh, winning those races this year. And, um, you know, guys that haven't been in the series that long performing well at Grosjean. Uh, third IndyCar race in, uh, won the pole, uh, had a great run. Uh, yeah, at the end of the race, he wasn't able to kind of dice through the traffic to kind of uh, catch up with VK there. VK had a, a bit of a better uh, strategy, a bit of a better round of pit stops um, and uh, was able to uh, keep Grosjean at bay. But what a great run for Grosjean, who uh, uh, was, um, you know, there were a lot of people that said he would, come in and wreck cars and, and whatnot. And he was washed up and, and it, it turns out he's seems to be anything but washed up. He seemed to be very um, energized by that pole run. And, and he seemed to really enjoy himself. The Indianapolis uh, uh, road course seemed to really agree with him. So, I mean, Richard, your thoughts on uh, uh, Roman Grosjean there? Cause I know you've, uh, you know, you know him well. Yeah. I mean, I think he's done a, he's done a fantastic job uh, and, and unlike a lot of the guys that come over from Formula One, you know, he, he's still at the peak of his career in many ways. He's, what, 33, 35, something in that age range. So, you know, you look at, you know, half, you know, what's the average age of an IndyCar champion? You know, it's in that ballpark, isn't it? You know, you look at what Scott Dixon is doing. You know, Will Powers in that sort of age bracket now. Um, and, you know, the guy is a multiple podium finishing Formula One driver. It's been unfortunate the way his career's gone the last few years um, at Haas, but you still, again, you look at the performances, and it's it's very easy to overlook a guy like Grosjean when the car's back in the back of the pack. Um, yeah, you know, the biggest issues from Haas in the last few years was him and Magnussen having a little, you know tiff every now and again and, and sort of slapping each other. But, you know, it's all part and parcel of it. Um, 
but you know, the, the guy is good. The guy is seriously, seriously good. So I don't think there's any, uh, so certainly from my standpoint, there's no surprise that he's gone there and, um, you know, performed pretty much from the outset. Uh, you know, and, he, and he's I feel been there like, or thereabouts. I feel like he's gained, uh, Several new fans over the weekend. Um, you oh, know, there without are folks, any hesitation. Yeah, yeah. Folks, folks are rooting for him. And um, again, yeah. like, you know, like we had alluded to or we talked about um, in one of our preview shows, the um, coin team being kind of uh, light on um, experienced engineers with some newer guys in there. And you had a uh, mention that you felt like having Grosjean in the team would help uh, really elevate Massively. those guys in the engineering department. Here we are three races in. And, you know, the coin team doesn't always contend for the win. I mean, they've, they've been in and out of the mix uh, over the years. But, my gosh, they were right up there all weekend long. Yeah, and and you expect yeah, – that's one of the reasons why you bring someone like Grosjean in and pay him reasonably you know, reasonably well, I'm sure. He's not going to be doing it for free. Um, you know, the experience that a guy like that brings and the the – the calmness and the professionalism and all of these things, which I think sometimes this isn't being derogatory can be missing at some of the lower IndyCar teams. You know, they're, they, they still sort of, some of the smaller teams still sort of run it out the back of a, you know, a garage with like 10 guys working on the team. And, and then, you know, it's all a little bit sort of cap in hand sort of thing, race to race. And even at the very depths of the Formula One pack that there were with Haas the last few years, you know, still an incredibly professionally run team. So, he, you know, Grosjean will bring that level of professionalism, that level of expectation from himself and the crew around him. And, uh, you know, for his Formula 1 career to have finished the way it did, obviously it's his own story in itself. But he's, um, oh, I mean, the, the fans all love him because he's open, he's honest, he speaks his mind, he's not afraid of doing that. And... You know he'll he'll get the job done, and it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if um, there's not talks, you know, about trying to get him on an oval. I know he said he won't, but I think when he sees them, you know, the safety levels on oval, especially with the aero screens, are far far more extreme than the, or far more secure than they have been in the past. It wouldn't surprise me if one of the, you know if he did make that commitment to race levels, if one of the bigger teams didn't pick him up. Um, no respect to um, you know the guys he's with now, but you know you you look at him in a in an Andretti car, or a Penske car, or a Ganassi car. You know he he'd be a great fit for guys like that. Oh, certainly, yeah. Now, uh, Louise, let's talk about the guy that that did win the race, Renus VK. Um, the you know the the younger flying Dutchman, uh, you know guy who's uh, grew up uh, idolizing Ari Leindijk, and now he's a uh, an IndyCar race winner, just like his hero, Ari Leindijk. So um, uh, VK, is. Uh, it's been a while since the Carpenter team has won a race. I think it's, it's been since uh, New Garden was uh, in their employ. So a great run for that team. And, and again, this, uh, uh, you know, they, they, kind of, they kind of snuck that one in there, didn't they, Louise? They certainly did. What helped them more than anything is get, navigating through lap traffic very easily. He made that Freddie DeNeal move on the lap car of Jimmy Johnson and Alex Pallone would put himself in excellent position. And then when pit stops roll on, they were just able to get that advantage. And by the end of the race, there was just basically no looking back for him. It was definitely a great run for VK. A win was coming for sure. It was just 
just a matter of if and when will it take place. Well, yes, the question has been answered. But now the, the big mystery in my eyes, can he carry that momentum going forward? With the month with the Indianapolis 500 in a few weeks, it's just can he put the pace together and put on a great race? He's he's got an act for that road course. He's got an act for that oval as well. It's just curious to see how he does going for the rest of the season. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, if nothing else, the Carpenter team uh, does a very fine job of setting up a car for the Indy 500. You know, based on Mr. Carpenter's multiple poles and his uh, second face second place finish. Uh, behind Will Power a few years back. So they, uh, they've they uh, got really good data for Indianapolis. And, the, you know, the Carpenter cars, we saw, you know, Spencer Pickett start in the front row a few years back. Um, so it's uh, could be a very good good month for Ed Carpenter, especially with that momentum of coming coming off the win. Uh, so let's talk about third place for a moment. Alex Pelot, third place in the Ganassi car. So he is second in the points now. Uh, a mere what, 13 points behind Scott Dixon. Yeah. Um, that's, that's and, about uh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, this kid, when he came in, he came out of super formula. Um, he was driving with the um, coin team last year. Uh, Ganassi recognized something in him there, picked him up and here this kid is, uh, you know, one in his first race out with chip. Now he's got another podium and he's right there in the mix. Five races in, he's uh, second in points, and he's um, he's a full, almost twenty points clear of third place. Joseph Newgarden. And honestly, it does not surprise me that he's having a the stronger position because I mentioned right out of the gate that was an excellent signing for Ganassi to get pull off. But the question is, how is he going to do it? So far, he's been delivering. Now it's just a matter of can he. All right, I think we may have lost Louise uh, out there. He is uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where the uh, the, the kind of thing, the kind of thing that Ganassi could could afford. Because if you have two strong cars fighting for the championship, why you I have you have a lot of positives because we talked about it in the past that. It's one team, one car show. Now you got two strong cars that are poised to fight for wins and championships. Okay, I think I think we lost a little bit of your comment there as you're coming in and out of Wi-Fi there. But uh, yeah, I've got the gist of what you're saying there, certainly. But uh, so let's talk about the, the other young guy who's won a race is Colton Herta, and he's he's kind of mired a little deeper in the points. Um, but uh, you know he's he's got the um, the promise to, you know, whenever he does well at a track to um, really perform well. And, uh, and then of course, uh, Pato award is right there in the mix as well. So, so Richard, it looks like we're looking at a real changing of the guard uh, with IndyCar. When you look at all these young guys and, and we've had, you know, five different winners this year and three of them are brand new winners. Uh, but you got guys like, uh, you know, Will Power who haven't won yet and Pagano and Ryan Hunter Ray, who hasn't won in a couple of years. Rossi, who's still relatively young, has been struggling for two straight seasons now. Uh, these young guys are kind of rising to the top, and and we've talked about this for a couple of years. As a lot of these guys that have been in the series are are just about ready to dip out. You've got you know we've got Canon uh, is um, on his way out the door. Castro Nevis is uh, you know down to just part time. Uh, you know Montoya's only guest appearances only. 
Um, you know, Frank Keedy has uh, retired with injuries. Uh, Dixon's still going strong. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like something's never changed, but um, yeah. So what do you, what do you think about this, this new crop and does this bode well for the classes behind them as the, um, the uh, road to Indy series is back in action again? Yeah, I, I think what you're seeing here is, and, and you mentioned it there, the, the strength of the feeder series and, you know, testament, you know, and praise must go to to the people involved in running these series and managing the series and putting putting it in place because it really is producing a really good breed of drivers coming through who are stepping up into the, the Premier Series and competing. Um, you know, but both in Formula One and, and IndyCar and, and, and NASCAR as well, you know, the, the, these feeder series now are, are really starting to increase the level of professionalism. You know, you think back to the sort of Formula 3000 days in Europe in the late 90s and some of the catastrophic drivers that came out of those series, you know, those days are gone now. The level of professionalism is, um, you know, as up to notch at least in, in the last few years and uh, nobody really comes in and is completely out of the depth. Uh, so it's, that I think is the big thing that needs to be recognised, that these guys are, who are organising these Philly series are doing a fantastic job. And also, you know, the cars are, are probably a little bit tame at the drive should we say, you know, they're not these, you know, big engine, low downforce monstrosities that they used to be that you would literally like just cling on and and hope you made it around the end of the lap each time you you got in the in, in the car. So there is a little bit of that. But um, you know, the racecraft of these guys are good and you know the simulators as well that they've got. You know, again it's all of these tools that they have available to them. Um and they're taking advantage of it, you know. You look at you look at where all these new guys that you're talking about are coming from. What their feeder series, you know. You look at Road to Indy, of course. You know Formula Two, um, even Super Formula. You know Audi, because I think um, both VK was there. I think, and was it Polo that was there? Polo was in Super. Polo Formula, was in it? Super Formula, yeah, yeah. And v- I think, VK uh, came out of Indy Lights. Yeah, Pato Award even did some super former races when he was part of the Red Bull camp there. Well, didn't yes, yes, but, he did. Um, yeah, the yeah, short lived period. Yeah, it was. It wasn't uh, exactly a distinguished career over in Japan, but uh, you know, it really does show the level of professionalism now, and, and that can only be you know encouraged. And you are going to see you know a higher standard of driver in your premier categories going forward. Um, it's, it's it's great to see. It really is. Yeah, I mean, and now there are a few guys that have, uh, you know, been left by the wayside. Uh, Oliver Askew, uh, for one. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, yeah. Pig- Spencer Piggott no longer has a full-time ride in the series after, you know, being uh, full-time for a, for a couple of years with Ed Carpenter. Yeah, so, and that but, is a shame. Uh, it, it is a shame, yeah. but uh, uh, again, and I think that that, that was a matter of, uh, you know, guys that have been holding on to seats for a decade or more. Yeah, but I think a lot yeah. of these, a lot of these seats know. are... A lot of these seats are fixing to open and have the the you know the driver for the next decade. Exactly, yeah. and this is no disrespect to some of the guys out there, but you know, this has been Tony Kadan's last season for probably the last five years, hasn't it? In some ways, um, you know, it's almost like the Kimi Raikkonen, but I think Kimi's probably performing at a slightly higher level than than, than, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Tony Kanan is the um no don't don't don't, don't, for, don't forget Tony Kanan was my pick to win the Indy 500. I mean yeah, he's, 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 he's in a he's in a he's in a Ganassi car for this final hurrah no, for so sure. for sure but it, it, it's it's like you know those are the guys it's not being disrespectful because you know what they're a infinitely infinitely better driver than you or I so I'm certainly in no position to criticize them but you do sort of wish in a way that there was more opportunities for guys like Spencer Pickett as a prime example, you know, Oliver Askew, some of the guys that have been around, you know, um, some of that I've, I know reasonably well, I've met on a number of occasions and worked with um, Jordan King, you know, a really good, solid driver there, you know, really, really talented. Um, so, you know, there's a, a, there's a number of guys out there that you really would like to see back there. And you still do have, you know, a 20%, 10, 20% of the IndyCar field that you think, eh, really? And again, I may be being overly critical there, but, um, yeah, I you know, say that field of IndyCar is relatively deep. If you think about it, I wouldn't say 10 or 20% is really, you know, but, uh, yeah, so your point about Jordan King, you know, that's, that's a, a blast from the past just a couple of years ago, but that guy is, yeah. I, I, I looked him up the other day. Evidently he's, uh, with one of the formula one teams and he's their SIM driver. Yeah. Um, I forget which team he's. I think he's with Alpine. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, he, he's a you know, he, he's a kid that comes from money. He's I think his father owns one of the largest grocery grocery store, store chains. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, Sainsbury's I think it is. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, he, I met him a couple of times and uh, spent some time with him. Really, really good guy. And you know, he he did he did okay. You know, he didn't do anything, didn't dig up any trees and and shock the series when he was over here. But again like a lot of these kids, you know, their, their junior careers are so well established and well managed that you, you, you come to the big boys league and, you know, there's no taking six races to get acclimatized. You know, they're on the money straight away and, you know, get its tools like the simulator and the, the data analysis and all of these sort of things are, are fantastic for them. And then at the same time, let's talk about the, the other rookie, Jimmy Johnson, who is just still looks woefully lost out there. He was a little bit better, wasn't he? Huh? At fairness, he stayed out of trouble this time around. There's yeah, more room to stay out of trouble, though, wasn't there? <laughs> he stayed out of trouble, but yeah, he's uh so yeah, because we, we've talked about oh Jimmy, he'll get it, he'll get better, but gosh, we're five races in. Um, and and he's in a good ass. Well, he's in race three of them. This is true. This is true, right? 
so but yeah i mean i'm i'm wondering if if jimmy himself is starting to feel like this is a bit of a failed experiment or if he's uh kind of looking forward to uh you know getting a place like uh, road america or mid ohio or, or someplace like that uh so but we'll just have to it is difficult isn't it you know it it, it is it is you know for the career that he's had and everything he's achieved in stock car racing you know you, you do look at this and go eh, is this oh you know it do you want this? Do you want this to be the final chapter of the story? You know. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I didn't expect him to come out and win races off the bat or hit the no. podium, but but I didn't expect him to run last every race. And be, yeah, I was expecting and, to be on par with be, Erickson, you know, and two or more seconds off the pace. So. Yeah, but he's never. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, 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 I unless things dramatically improve, I can't see it going on beyond the end of this year. Although apparently at the uh, Grand Prix last weekend he was talking about doing the 500 next year, so I mean again, he, may, he may have a better shot there because you know oval racing is more his forte. It's what he's yeah really the, you know specialized in. The cars are massively different though. The 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 the, the dynamic the vehicle dynamics of an Indy car to a NASCAR are huge. I I would argue to say he'd be better off on a road course because. There, you know, he has relatively little experience of a stock car on a road course. If he takes a stock car to Indianapolis, oh, sorry, an Indy car to Indianapolis, he is going to have so many reference points that are so way off that I think he'll struggle even more potentially. I mean, perhaps, but but you look at a guy like Kurt Busch who came in and really did quite well for for a guy who's never driven an Indy car, and I think that. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the the coaching or the engineering or whatnot, but uh, Bush seemed to kind of take to the indie car like a, like a, a fish to water. You know, despite the uh, the fact that it's you know, accelerates faster, brakes quicker, um, it's much much lighter. But um, you know, so I don't, I've not driven a stock car or an indie car around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to have any reference <laughs> for myself. But but I just it, it seemed like to me, Kurt Busch really didn't have an issue hopping in at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you know, with the extended practice days as well. I mean, yeah, he did. He did spin it. He did hit the wall uh, in, on one of the practice days. But at the end of the day, he qualified respectably and finished respectably. Well, he, he finished sixth or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He finished yeah, really, he, really he well. He held his own quite well and still to this day the last person to do the, the double. This is true. This is true. So speaking of the Indianapolis 500, that's what we've got next on the schedule. The uh, pole qualifying will be this coming weekend. The practice today was the first day of practice, uh, which will be by the time the show airs, it will be, you know, a couple of days in the past. But today uh, we're taping on Tuesday. Tuesday was the first day of practice. Fastest car uh, in the second session. Fastest lap of the day was set by Will Power. Uh, behind him, Ryan hunter Ray and Takuma Sato. So as we're talking about, this uh, changing of the guard and these young guys, that's three older guys um, with the top speeds on day one. Now, mind Stay you, glory times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the old Bruce Springsteen song, glory days, they'll pass yep. you by. Yep. So, uh, but they, I mean, these are all guys that, uh, that have all three won the 500. Uh, all three have a shot at winning another one. Uh, they, they've, uh, you know, run well time and time again at the speedway. 
And then there's a couple other names like Sage Karam, who's been an indie only for a couple of years, was up there kind of uh, uh, running in the top 10 for a little while. Um, Dixon had uh, some hot laps in the uh, the early session. So uh, now, uh, Louise, you were there today. So uh, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, day one of practice at the Speedway? Yeah, it was quite quite unique. Fortunately, the weather held through. Yeah, there was some moisture around the track that delayed certain things, but it's great to get the whole session in. That's for sure. Another thing to point out about the session is the Ed Carpenter cars, when it comes to no toe speed, they were right up there with mostly Ed Carpenter and Connor Daly. In fact, Daly went nearly 240 miles an hour in a speed trap at start to finish. So, so far, so good, as we were talking about earlier about ECR and the 500 being poised, it seems like they could be poised again. Yeah, for sure. Daly looked good today as well. He's another guy that's kind of a, a dark horse. He's a bit of a dark horse everywhere. Uh, he still hasn't <laughs> hasn't broke out. And, uh, you know, other than a, I think he's had one podium in his career. Uh, I think it was a Detroit at one point in time. But here's a guy who's uh, everybody roots for this dude. Everyone loves this guy. Right. And, uh, you know, he manages to uh, bring sponsorship from Air Force. I uh, managed to run a full season between the Carlin car and the, the Carpenter car. But uh, he's, uh, I mean, in that Carpenter car for the 500, you know, if he gets a, it gets a good qualifying run in, you know, good starting position, he could be, he could be a dark horse for the 500. Oh, absolutely. It's just a matter again, he needs some luck. Luck. Yes. How about Jimmy Johnson being at the back end? Connor Daly has had probably the worst luck ever. He had back-to-back last least finishes, hasn't even completed a full lap in the last two races as well. So the fact that he's done well in day one has to be encouraging. And I imagine if he keeps that momentum as long as he doesn't have another hard hit like last year's 500, he'll be right up there, I imagine. Yeah. So, and then, again, through the field, there's a lot of guys that we can look at, uh, you know, as when we talk about the Indy-only entries. You know, J.R. Hildebrand has run well there in the past. Um, uh, Montoya is a guy you're going to want to keep your eye on. You know, the McLaren team is um, really, really running well. And they've got Montoya in there who really runs well at the Speedway, um, despite yeah. only having six starts. So that's that's a guy to keep an eye on. Castro Nevis is, uh, you know, three wins plus a, several second places, a uh, at the speedway he's in there with the shank team the shank team which had a pretty good weekend at indianapolis you know qualified well but uh their race day was miserable with some miscues in the pits but they they really have kind of set the bar that they are there to compete uh having castro nevis in there giving his feedback for the month of may might be a good shot in the arm for that team as well yeah, and that's what we talked about during the before the end of the year and during the offseason, that having Castor Nevis will be beneficial to that entire team as far as getting resource and experience because at this day and age, multi-car teams are, are vital to be right up there in the 500 due to that data and information you get from multiple partners and all that. And as far as Harvey's concerned, it's been one, once again one of those years where he qualifies great, but race day is just blocked. Again, I reiterate, like certain circumstances just bites them out to where the results don't show how quick they are. And I think this 500 must be like a, a true for consequences type of an ordeal to where he must 
delivered good if he wants that season to turn around because it looks like he was going to probably be maybe in a top 10 in the championship. Now it's looked like he's trying to hang on to a top 15 after another disappointing afternoon. Yeah, well, again, you got the double points at Indy, and then, then you know, we go to a stretch with a lot of races. So there's you can make up some ground, but you really need to hope that the guys ahead of you struggle a little bit as well, you know, which brings us to guys like Rossi, whose season is pretty much over. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, he just kind of really needs an Indy 500 win to uh, salvage this season as, as miserable as it's been. Uh, but you got guys like uh, Newgarden right up there in the mix. Uh, Newgarden, who could uh, certainly win the 500 um dixon is way overdue for a second 500 win if he would um if, if he were to uh come victorious there at uh, in indianapolis you know with the double points already leading the points that would pretty much almost lock up another championship for him you know given the uh the, the short length of the season um and then then there's takuma sato who always runs well at indy he's right right up there in the mix today he's at the Set the fastest time late in the day until he was uh, uh, Will, Will and Ryan Hunter Ray set a lap faster, but he was uh, right up there at the top of the time charts at the end of the day today. Uh, and again, here's a guy who knows how to win the Indy 500. And uh, again, there's some little weird numerology that says we should expect a three time winner this year. And there's only two guys that can do that, and that's Montoya and Sato. So, I mean, who, who am I? Who am I leaving out, Richard? Oh, Richard. Ooh, it's a good question, isn't it? Uh, who are you leaving out? It could be, you know, you, you may get one of these fluke winners, couldn't you? You know, I hate using the word fluke because at the end of the day, whoever wins deserves to win because they do what's, you know, required of them. But, um, you know, we haven't had a, 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 you know, a complete shock winner for a while, have we? Um, that uh, I can think not, of anyway. not since 2016, 2017. Yeah, I was gonna say Rossi was a bit of a shock. Yeah, true, true, true. true, true. And even I uh, was saying 2011, Weldon was a bit of a shock. Weldon, yeah. But even if Hildebrand would have won, that would have been a shock too. Yeah, but uh, I gotta true. say, you know, like like Ed Carpenter, a guy who's uh, yeah, but he, I mean, he's kind of on the downside of his career. I don't know, I don't know that he's got a 500 win in him. I think his, his some of his best opportunities have have passed but then again i mean i mean who am i to judge he's a younger man than me um you know <laughs> and then then there's the aj Foyt team with borday you know they, they've got borday there on board and they're they've improved i don't know if they've got a 500 win uh improved in there but they've got hildebrand in the in the mix as well in another car and uh is it with charlie kimball in their third car Charlie it Kimball. is, yeah. yeah. So Charlie Kimball and and so the Foyt team that would be a shock. That would be a shock win for the Foyt team to win the five hundred. No, absolutely, it would be a total shock. Like I know right now, Bourdais could use a strong run as well. He didn't have the greatest session as far as reliability is concerned because the back end of his car went on fire. Fortunately, it wasn't an engine problem, but it really sets them back. And you do not want to have setbacks at any point during the month of May, whether it's qualifying or in preparation in the 500. And Bourdais has been quick, always been quick. Just the Indy cursed does by certain drivers. He just happens to be one of them. 
Yeah, he's had a tough time at his Speedway. Yeah, between uh, you know accidents and and uh, guy, you remember he had the really, really had some some severe injuries a couple of years ago in qualifying. You know that uh, that that he had to fight back and come come back from. But yeah, he's always going to run well at the Speedway, but. He's never really contended for the win, but, but again, and, and here's another guy kind of on the downside of his career, but, but he's a guy that, that just pulls wins out of thin, thin air every now and again, you know, what, what, just when you think he's done, he's uh, you know, let me pull a rabbit out of my hat here. So, so it'd be interesting to see yeah. how the, how the Foyt team does. Cause they, they are, you know, committed to wanting to improve. Uh, but, but again, we've heard that for years. Okay. Yeah, that's been heard for years. And with Bourdais, it seems like he starts, starts good, but then one DNF and boom, downhill every time. I, it just always tends to happen. And it's unfortunate for a guy like Bourdais that's been so successful back in the mid All right, I think, I think we lost. The late 2000s. Okay. Uh, so I was saying about Bourdais, though, it's like he starts good. But then one retirement just sets him back every single time. Every single coin, time, yep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the team at this point. We saw it through coin multiple years before he has that win safety or has a strong front. There's just that one DNF sets him back completely every time. And this time, and we're seeing it again. So I do feel like there's there's a lot of concerns, and I do think even with Pelderbrand being pretty good in, at Indianapolis, his track record has been competent enough, but as far as the entire Floyd camp, they got a long ways to go in my book. Yeah, a long ways to go. Yeah, actually, of those three guys, I think Charlie Kimball's got the rest, best record at the Speedway. Yeah, and it helps most in large part being part of Canassi during that run. Yeah, yeah, Kimball actually has a, had a couple of respectable runs at the 500. He's got a third and a fifth, I believe. You know, people people like to crack on Charlie, but he's had some really good races there at the Speedway. So, yeah, but anyway, so let's talk about Carlos Munoz, and he's not had a ride in in years as well. Yeah, I think Carlos Munoz's money ran out. So, but yeah, it's kind of sad because that's a guy. That's a guy who I would like to see back in there. He's a good dude, good driver. You know, heck of a heck of a lot of speed in that guy. Um, but so let's talk about pole qualifying, which will be coming up. So. And let's kind of go around the table and see who our pick is for the Indianapolis pole. Because, I mean, you know, more than any other race of the year, the Indianapolis pole is a big deal. I mean, it's it's the only pole, I think, that pays 100 grand uh, of any of the other races. Uh, and it's uh, it's always been a big deal. It's, it's got its own weekend. It's not, you know, the day before the race. And uh, being an Indianapolis pole sitter is a pretty – pretty neat feather in your cap. So with that being said, Richard, who do you like for the Indy 500 pole? Dixon. All right. And uh, Louise. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, was very... I'm probably going to go. I'm probably going to go with Renus VK on this one. Yeah. He may not show pace right away, but I think over time he'll gradually get better. He may surprise people by being the pole sitter and that Bitcoin Chevrolet. So well, I think we've uh, we, we've had some uh, technical issues there, but I guess we're, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, uh... did, uh, did, did <laughs> I, I thought it was from my end? That's why I sent the ch- I sent something. <laughs> okay, so did did you guys hear my pick? 
No, we no. Didn't okay, so whoever yeah. it was, it was. So that, okay, so I'm just going to start over again. Hopefully, Anthony can edit this out. If not, you know, you folks have a nice laugh with it. But okay, so yeah, I said all this and and nobody heard it. But I'm going to say it again. My pick for the poll is is willpower, um, and I think that you know, Rich, uh, you know, uh, Roger Penske's luck has been, you know, with the race team has not been quite where it has been since he's bought the series. Uh, but I think that's uh, about ready to turn around and it could be a great showing for Penske on pole day and then on race day. So with that being said, speaking of team Penske, there's some news coming out of the NASCAR side that uh, team Penske driver, Brad Keselowski has been offered a ride with Roush Fenway racing that will come with part ownership of the team. Now, Richard, you, uh, you read this story earlier in the day. So what are you, uh, what do you know about this? And then what, and, and do you think this story has serious legs? I think it does. Cause it's, it's, it's coming, you know, it, it, it does. I think it does have legs because it's, it, you know, it's being reported by all the big outlets. It's not just the Twitter, Twitterverse story. Is it? Um, I thought it was interesting that Brad only got a one year contract last year. Um, you know, he's a guy that will get you two or three wins pretty much guaranteed every year. Um, you know, Penske have guys coming through the ranks in Ryan Blaney and um, Austin Sendrick and guys like that, you know. So there's potentially looking to make room for for them within the stable. Lagana seems to be pretty, pretty comfortable in there and obviously he's won the championship more recently than Brad. Um but also, Kozlowski is a, you know, he's a he's a businessman in, in many ways. He owns his own company doing uh, manufacturing, prototype manufacturing uh, da- around here in North Carolina, which is, is very highly thought of. And, you know, he's very active on LinkedIn and, and, and some of these social media business side of social media platforms that uh, promote promote his 3D printing on, and his prototyping business there. So that's uh, interesting to see. So obviously, it wouldn't surprise me if he has that business interest in the team. Um, well, he owned a truck, truck team for a while, did he not? Yes, he did. And yeah, they I think he did. Shut it down too much budget and all of that, and then yeah, set back Briscoe a bit. Yeah, yeah, this is slightly level. different though. You know, getting involved with a, you know, you're obviously getting involved with the Fenway Group. You're getting involved with the, you know, the Roush organization there. I. <clears throat> It's interesting, you know. Are they, you know, are they going to do that? Would he want to do that? Would he want to go there? And if he wants to get into team ownership, does he want to be a team owner or does he want to be a partner in a team? Um, you know, I, I don't doubt there'd be a carrot under the nose there for him. Um, you know, if he's seriously interested in, in doing it going forward. And I know there's a lot of talk about charters flying around and tr- charters being bought and sold going into next year with the next gen car. So this could be a an ideal opportunity for something like Brad to 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 um, stake a claim in a, in ownership of a team, um, you know, potentially with a a buyout clause going forward in the next four or five years. As yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering about. But you know, Jack Roush is almost eighty years old. I believe he's I believe he's uh, turned seventy nine this year, so he may be looking to get out of the game. Um, uh, you know, the Fed, Fenway Group is still pretty active in there, but but I, I kind of wonder. If, you know, this is being offered to Keselowski, um, knowing that he's got close ties with Penske as to somehow form an alliance with the Penske team, 
to maybe maybe improve their Ford cars that they run. You think that? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, they do. Is, you know, they, they are mean, a Ford that, that, engine supplier. There. Yeah, of course, there is that natural link between the two organizations, and it's it is interesting, isn't it? That you look at um, Chevrolet, and you know, I know there's two manufacturers there. Although, in all fairness, now I think there's a lot of cross cross collaboration between. Um, ECR and, and Hendrick engine department now. So there's a, you know, they're a lot closer tied, but, you know, Hendrick is the leading, um, you know, engine and chassis manufacturer for the Chevrolet group. Um, you know, Gibbs are obviously the, the leading Toyota group and they get put squarely in that Toyota camp in a way, you know, uh, they are engines made for Gibbs. Um, but, and, and Ford is the diluted team in some ways. You know, you've got Stuart House, you've got Penske, both teams that would expect to win races on a fairly regular basis. So you wonder if, if that sort of diluting of talent doesn't have a negative impact in them. Who do you prioritise? You know, if you're looking to make an engine perform, you know, do you perform in the torque band that, you know, the, the region that, maybe the Penske drivers like, or do you do it as the Haas drivers like? Now, it, you know, you, 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 politics play a huge part in that. So maybe maybe part of this is actually Roger Penske trying to tighten the alliance with the Ford and Roush engine manufacturing. Could certainly be. And, you know, and we know that Roger thinks a lot of Keselowski because there, there were a lot of times where Keselowski had, oh, you know, a couple of questionable things career-wise, you know, or, or, or on track, and Roger has done nothing but stick up for his guy, you know, so, so you, know, you know, there's a nice close bond between Roger and Brad, and, and of course, Roger, being a businessman himself, probably like to see nothing better than, uh, you know, Keselowski take his career to the next level, uh, so, I, so I, could, I could really see Roger being behind that uh, to kind of help uh, back Brad there and, and help him out. I think it could be a natural progression for, for Brad, a natural progression for the sport. And I think with Roger Penske's now, you know, he, he's probably looking at it from a slightly different perspective with his ownership in the in IndyCar. You know, he's probably looking at the bigger picture of, of both series now and thinking, you know, we need more owners, we need more manufacturers. I mean, as you quite rightly pointed out, you know, Jack Roush is, is you know, he's 15 years past the average retirement age. So, um, you know, the, the guy's still doing and, incredibly and, and, well. And Roger Penske's older. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to want to look, you know, at bringing younger owners. And, you know, I think Penske has that natural progression with Tim Sendrick there. Uh, I don't know what Roush has. I don't know if they have that, that guy coming through the ranks who will step into the shoes of, of Jack Roush when he leaves. And, and I know Fenway have been involved with, with the series and with, with Roush for a long, long time now. But as with any of these investment companies and these investment conglomerates, you know, they can somebody can sneeze out a turn at a dinner party and, and Fenway are out of NASCAR the next day, you know, so they're going to want a little bit of stability there. Yeah. And again, you know, Brad comes from a racing background. He's from a racing family, you know, so uh, you really, so for him, that, that's the next logical step as is, you know, his career is beginning to, to wind down, but I, he's got, he's got several good driving years left. So he moved into being a, a driver owner, and then maybe, you know, take over the entire assets of the team one day, you know, a la Michael Andretti in 2003, you know, buy into, uh, you know, Team Green and then eventually buy out the Greens and 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 keep it for yourself. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I can really see that happening. I can see that being a good career move for Brad, but hopefully, you know, he's uh, been in the sport long enough. Well, you know, I don't know if the, some of his backers uh, are, will, will stick with him or stick with Penske. Cause you figure a lot of these, uh, I'd imagine it's a Penske deal. Some yeah, the, chunk uh, of them. That's the yeah, problem. The, yeah. Discount tire and um, the uh, dent wizard and, and these other ones, the money lion, is it the car shop Verizon? Brad was in a Verizon car recently. And these are all Penske B2B deals, but uh, uh, you know, but but Brad obviously has met all these sponsor reps as well. So, you know, he's uh he, he's you know, all these all these guys that have been in the sport a while, they know how to play that game as well. Yeah, we'll see how that comes in, in a few in a day or two or next week when it's should become official because it's apparently a done deal. It's just waiting to be announced at this moment of time. The big concern I have with Brad going there is kind of like we're rouches right now. They're not contending for wins. They're finally being consistent in the top 15. So I'd be curious how they're going to improve over time. They are, but they're not anywhere near being the premier four team like there were a decade plus and a half to two ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Roush is one of those. Uh, they were big in the nineties when they had Mark Martin. Big nineties through the mid two thousands. It was like, Oh five was their peak. And then after yeah. that, it mm-hmm. just, it hurt. It has hurt them in a long, long, long time. So, so I mean, we'll, getting Brad in there and some new blood, you know, some, maybe some new but, engineers. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. But, uh, but again, it's like, the question is, honestly, is whether it's going to be a third car or Gaslowski goes to the six and then comes Ryan Newman in the mix. Is he going to call it a career? Time will tell. And Yeah, I think the, 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 the talk was that he would be in the six car, wasn't it? So obviously that would, would put the question on where Newman sits. I don't know, his contract, uh, you know, set up, but... Um, yeah, yeah, and, and the two car, what did they do? Because Cindric is slated for the Wood Brothers twenty one team. Will they move him to the two and keep the Benedetto? Break the agreement to move him up because this is gonna slowly become a John Lacey deal from nineteen ninety one where a deal was made previously, but he went to somebody else. Yeah, that is the interesting question. But is this is this the lifeline that Matt Benedetto needs? You know. To prove his worth, uh, he takes. Well, I mean, to- has he proven his worth though in the Wood I- Brothers car? You know, obviously, when he was with, well, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of front season- row before and people like that. I think it was front row, wasn't it? Um, you know, he had some really, really strong performances. And go fast, quite, you know, go fast. Sorry, yeah, and and quite rightly, when Paul Menard sort of stepped away from, um, you know, full time driving, that opportunity opened up for him and. Uh, um, you know, once Ryan Blaney had moved up to the um, Penske stable there, and uh, you know, he, he earned it, but has he earned the right to stay there now? That's the big question. I, I don't know if he has. If that two car did become available, you know, is he somebody that could fill their shoes? I, I don't think so. Well, I mean, I think it'll be more of a matter of you seeing Austin Cindric in that two car. And then Benedetto keeps the Wood Brothers ride. Yeah, well, you've also that's, got to ask the question, haven't you? I mean, you know, you, you say that you say that you know, Cendric was to go to the Wood Brothers, and and you know, that's a, a you know, a, a lower 
category and all this sort of stuff, you know, is that, you know, he, he's going there with a little bit less pressure on him before he makes a step up to the Penske organisation. You know, that Wood Brothers car is built, it's in the, it just goes out a different door of the Penske shop. You know, so the pressure and the preparation of the car would be identical to what you see with, um, you know, the, the, the Penske cars on a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that, that's a, that's a wrinkle to the story that, uh, that'll need to see how it pans out. Yeah. So, and then again, yeah, but it'll be interesting because that, that too was a prime seat. It's a prime seat for, the, for somebody. Yep. Yeah. As the car. It is the, the car. You're right. In the cup series. That is in the cup series. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, we did have a cup race last week and it was, uh, uh, was it, was it Bowman or Byron winning Bowman? It was it one yep. of them, Hendrick, one, two, three, four. That is correct. That hasn't been done since 2005. When Roush, speaking of Roush, when Roush did it with Greg Biffle beating Mark Martin, that photo and that close finish at Homestead with Matt Kenseth and Carl Edwards, not exactly in that order, but they followed behind it. Pearl Kenny Wallace finished in 21st that night. But the interesting thing is only the third, the what is it, the fourth time ever has been done, second in the modern era. Speaking of Indy 500, 1925 winner Pete DiPaolo, who owned a NASCAR team for a cup of coffee, did the one, one, two, three, four finish twice, both won by Fireball Roberts. So Henrik doing it, it kind of shows that, yes, they're back. They're dominant. They're competitive again because similar to IndyCar's Ganassi, it's usually one car depending on the driver and the season that delivers. Now all four of them, albeit Elliott's the weakest link this season, have been hmm. exceptional. All right. Ooh, so, uh, so I want to back up for a second because yes. you mentioned Pete DiPaolo, who won the Indy 500 in 1925. And then he, he, he also went on to become the first former Indy 500 winner as a driver to win the Indy 500 as a team owner. But do you know what his other claim to fame is? Hmm, what would it be? He's the only Indianapolis 500 driver to sing back home again in Indiana at the pre-race ceremonies. Jeez, he, that guy, the guy's done it all. And and well, he, he did, been greedy, and, isn't that? And he, and he did that in 1971 at the age of 73. And uh, you can find the uh, video on YouTube. And it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. After that, they brought in Jim Neighbors the following year. And, uh, uh, you know, and the rest is history. But uh, just because you brought up Pete DiPaolo, I wanted to throw that little interesting tidbit out there. Little known, obscure fact that is absolutely true. But anyway, you're saying he's the Carl Lewis of back home again. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Right. Because whew, that national anthem of Carl Lewis did. I mean, there's a couple of bad national anthems out there, but that's getting us way off topic. You know, I, yeah, I still remember the uh, the one from Aerosmith at the uh, Indy 500 it was a pretty uh, nuclear heat, as I like to say. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, so I'm gonna let you get back to talking about the one, two, three, four finishes in NASCAR. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> a strong day, but it was mostly. Essentially, Kyle Larson again owning the race. He hasn't lost the beat at Dover. I felt like with him going to Hendrick compared to a Ganassi car, he's going to do exponentially better. And 
when he came back to the Monster Mile. The problem was pit stops. Lars's crew just couldn't deliver, and Bowman said one of the fastest stops of the season, like 11-second stop, and that made all the difference in my book. Bowman's crew was great. He even said it over the radio. It was on the 4018, not himself. I'll be a crew chief, Greg Ives, trying to tell him, yeah, you, you also done the work, too. Don't put yourself down and all that. He was trying to – yeah, he – it's quite interesting that driver crucial commenters that has worked really well. And for Greg Ives, it's a big win for him because he's been, he's no stranger to victory lane at Dover. He was, he used to work for Jimmy Johnson when he used to run gunshots on everyone at the monster mile. This time he just has to, he did it as a cruise chief. So it was a great race. And who would have thought that Alex Bowman would have been one of only two repeat winners this season with the other one being Martin Truex Jr. Who would have thought that would happen? Yeah, who would have thought we'd be yeah this deep in the season with only two repeat winners, you know? So, but hey, with know, one of them being it's Bowman, a, it's a good competitive season. A good competitive season. Yeah, and it's totally never hurts. Indeed, it's, he's been doing be- He's been doing quite solid in his first season with that forty. Well, under the forty-eight banner, because it's still basically the eighty-eight team. Just they switch numbers and teams and all that. That's got so complicated that it will take about an episode worthy to tell you how everything is now. Okay. What's the number that's painted on the side of his car? It is the 48. So that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's the old 88 crew. Yeah. And then the old, the, the 24 is now the 48 crew. And yeah, it's, it's a, uh... yeah. It, like the, the nine is the old 20, the original 24, the, the five is the old 48 and the 24 is the old five from the, origins of 84 through 17 with- yeah but yeah but at the end of the day all these are a big big decals on the side of the car yeah. you know speaking so. of numbers speaking of numbers that big debate happened again to where i guess like what nielsen and nascar are trying to there's a possibility they're going to move the number despite the fans having an uproar about it it's just like when is the number discussions going? and i'm at the point to where i just just make a decision and go on with it. It's got ridiculous. If it brings more sponsorship money in, move it, shut up, get on with it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, NASCAR spends too much. There's too much NASCAR real estate on that car devoted to the number as it is. Look, look out. Look, see if you can even find the number on some of the Formula One cars. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. So, but yeah, the, you, but you've got, you've got the number on, on the roof, on the hood, and that's all that- prime real estate for, uh, yeah, the fans that turn around and say, oh, I'm not going to watch if they move the number, fine, see you later. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's it. Like, Dave Moody said it very best. Like, you're really going to leave the sport just because of a number position. At this point, whatever they do with it, I just simply don't care anymore. It's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Let's talk about making the car look better, perform better. And, and speaking of that, this is the second straight race where this a driver or team just own the competition and right now it's gibbs and hendrick leading the way everybody else are trying to catch up yeah and uh the and the in in the xfinity race it was uh cindric austin cindric stinking up the show as well had a very dominant run yeah he it almost would have not happened because he nearly had a, he had this drive the ever living wheels and late in the early in the race, that that was a nice save, great wheel work. 
that it's, what is it now his second or third win of the third win of the season so he's pretty much looked poised to look like he's going to be a title contender once again and josh Berry won the dash for cash another great run in that xfinity ride with jrm now there as far as this cup debut he was driving the second spire car due to justin haley with covid protocols he had to set up both xfinity and cup Barry had a learning experience in the cup race. He was able to be all the Rick Ware cars. So I guess it's an accomplishment. To be the Rick Ware cars. I guess it is. Yeah. Considering the circumstances that he, it was just short notice because on the Xfinity, Xfinity side, Zane Smith drove Haley's colleague car before he got collected in that wreck. And then, then he had that big wreck. That involved like Matt Matt's Jaskol, who works with Barco Andretti in the in the Indianapolis 500. He had a interesting ride where his car landed on top of Jesse Little, the Chad Little's son, and brought out a red flag, which I threw a fit over it because it's like you're really gonna throw that. There wasn't oil, there wasn't a lot of debris. And then when you look at Jesse Little's car, it's completely destroyed. Completely destroyed. Yeah, I did catch that on the TV. Looked over us. Wow, there's a car on top of another one there. So, anyway, we've got about five minutes left in the show, and I would be remiss to not mention that uh, coming up this weekend is also the Grand Prix of Monaco, one of the longest running and most prestigious Formula One races that we uh, had to miss last year. It was one of the races that got canceled with COVID. So, uh, Richard. Uh, Monaco coming up, always, always a very, very tough track, tough to pass, very narrow, but at the same time, very beautiful, very picturesque and um, very um, just historic. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those tracks that has no, no place whatsoever to be on the Formula One um, calendar, but it has to be there because it's fantastic. You know, it, it, it creates another level of, um, skill, if you like, that the drivers have got to master, you know. I'll tell you one thing, you won't see much issue with track limits this weekend. <laughs> no, no, no. The, tra- the, track, um, the track limit is the guardrail. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and you straight up retire. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That is exactly how it should be. Now, Richard. And, you know, it, more so from just to watch these cars go around Monaco is just phenomenal because it's one of the only times you can really put them into context you, know, you see them drive around like you know the tilka domes and the big open airfields and these old-fashioned tracks and you know you think oh, okay yeah that looks all right but then you see them like you know driving past shops and houses and buildings and you get a real sense of speed you know my favorite camera angle in all of motorsport is that camera that is on the exit of the swing, the entry to the swimming pool, the first left-right section of the swimming pool oh, complex, yep. you can just see the phenomenal change of direction and the way that the sort of the car, the, the drivers will clip the the sort of second apex, the right-hand apex, and the car will bounce, and they're actually, you know, it, it just the car just snaps back in line on as it lands on the track. It, it is phenomenal. If, if this is anywhere. I could watch a Formula One race from, or just even a lap from, it would be that corner, you know, looking straight at the drivers as they come through those two corners there. 
it's it's mind-blowing and it, yeah, it, it really incredible. shows the skill of the drivers involved far more so than probably anywhere else in the world couldn't have said it any better but real quick richard you feel like this is the big circle mark for Red Bull to stop oh, Mercedes. Sure. And here's why. Because yeah. Verstappen has had the greatest luck of Monaco. He's had some hard licks. Same yeah. with Paris. You make your own look around Monaco, don't you? I think. And, you know, Verstappen's made a couple of mistakes in the past when he could have and should have been on pole um, and, and, and won a race. Now, you know, more so than any race of the season, you know, Saturday really counts at Monaco. And if you can get on pole, you've gone a long, long way to winning the race. You, the chance of you being passed on track is very, very slim. So this is Red Bull's time. You know, Red Bull really need Verstappen to win and Perez to get, you know, to, 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 to get a, you know, a second or even Bottas to get, you know, they need a win and, and Hamilton not to finish second, you know, just to really sort of start tip that momentum back in their favor. Um, especially as we start to go to some of the, what I would call more power tracks, you know, the, the, you know, in the next few weeks we'll be at, uh, you know, Silverstone's not a million miles away. Um, Paul Ricard's not far off, you know, uh, there's now a double header in um, Austria after we've lost the Turkish Grand Prix due to travel restrictions. So there's a lot of, of, of tracks coming up here where, you know, it's going to be quite finely balanced. So, so Red Bull really need to step up this weekend and hope for a little bit of misfortune on the on the Mercedes side, or especially the Hamilton side of the garage there. But at the end of the day, they can control their own destiny in in, in this race. So, they need a clean a clean weekend from both drivers. You know, in not knowing for certain, but having a pretty good guess at it, I think that if if all four drivers have a clean qualifying, then probably Red Bull should have the edge this weekend. And uh, yeah, that, that would be the, the best thing for Red Bull as a one-two finish there this week for sure. All right, so you're picking Verstappen for the win. I think you have to, yeah. Okay, and Louise, who are you picking for the win? I'm going to go with Bottas in this one. So that leaves me Lewis Hamilton, who's only won 97 races in his career. So uh, the odds are in my <laughs> favor there. So. But uh, with that being said, we're looking forward to Indianapolis pole qualifying. We're looking forward to Monaco. Um, what do we got going on in NASCAR this week? Are we? Coda. Uh, Coda. Coda. Oh, golly. Too bad we didn't have time to talk about that, but that'll be fun. We'll uh, we'll recap that next week. And I that is one I am looking forward to uh, for yeah. sure. So, yeah. But, um, the number, yeah. Of, uh, number of cook drivers doing Xfinity and trucks, it's, it's quite large. Hey, you got Paul Menard and Boris Sedback. Can't get oh, and Spencer Pompelli too. Can't get any better than that. Spencer Pompelli, yeah, we've had him on our show. Good dude. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank uh, you, Louise, and I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you, folks, that listen to us week in and week out. Uh, until next week. Good night. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-S-U-R-Z-O-C-O-M. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 